The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. Hello there, and welcome to Roto World Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I am Colin Henderson. Joining me, as always, is Chris Crawford. Coming up on the show today, a big weekend for some of your top draft picks. More pitcher injuries because it is 2020, and this fantasy baseball season has almost been defined by pitcher injuries. And our weekly checkup on everything prospect related with Chris. But first, we have to talk about the situation in St. Louis. Chris, the Cards haven't played since July 29th. And we have already basically blocked out Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday against the Pirates and the doubleheader on Thursday, which was supposed to be against the Tigers. That has been postponed, which means I'm not holding my breath about Friday. Are the Cardinals just not going to play a game this year? Because it's certainly feeling like it. I, I honestly feel like I, I'm ready for the call. It's, it's just something that's really insane. And it's so frustrating to see because – I want to see baseball, and I've really enjoyed the baseball that we've been able to see. But, man, this is just – it's something. And I don't know what to do with Cardinals on my fantasy roster. It's really hard to determine how much value they have. So I, I just don't know what we do at this point. Yeah, I mean, again, this is – for certain people, and obviously there are ranges around, but for the Goldschmidts, for the Flaherty's, you know, for those guys, you have to hold on to them. You have to keep them. You're just going to take punch after punch on the chin here until they can finally Right. But for really, I think at this point, anybody who is remotely fringy for St. Louis, drop them. I, you, you spent an entire week. If you're in a weekly head-to-head, anything along those lines, you just spent an entire week getting zero points from those guys because there wasn't a game to be played. And they're already out for at least the first half of this week. And like we said before, I'm not holding my breath that it's suddenly going to be fine come Friday. So if really, if your name is not Flaherty, if your name is not Goldie, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, anyone else? I mean, Carpenter, Fringy, drop. I'm, I'm good with dropping him. Uh, I, there really isn't a ton on that team that I need to maintain on my roster right now because this, week, this season is only seven regular season weeks long. I don't have time to wait around anymore. No, that's a great point. And I guess the one pro- other name that I would say is Dylan Carlson, just because. Yeah, if he gets if that call up, yeah. If he gets that call up, and he should. It's hard for me to imagine that he's not one of the best outfielders on the roster. But at the same time, I mean, who knows what the heck they do at this point. I mean, they 
at this point, maybe the Cardinals just kind of treat this season as a lost cause sounds like a mean thing to say, but you can't guarantee anything. I still have Carlson as my number two fantasy prospect, which we'll talk about that for 2020 anyway. And we'll talk about that in a little bit, but this is rough and it's just such a disappointment. When you talk about Carlson, I think something that's interesting with him is because if you see what baseball has tried to do with the Marlins, where essentially they said, okay, guys, we just gave you a schedule that at the back end of the year, you have to play 27 games in 23 days without one break. Even if Carlson wasn't in the plan, maybe they said, you know, we're just going to hold off on him. They don't, I don't think they can because they need to fill bodies for what is going to look like a, a, a week that you might have 10 games in a given week for the Cardinals moving forward. So if that's the case, they're going to need everybody that they can. And like sure. said, he is one of the top three outfielders on that team right now, in my opinion. So yeah, he's going to get his looks, but honestly, at this point, if, if he's out there in your waiver wire, which he probably is, I'm okay missing out on him this year in redraft leagues. I think it's totally fine. You know, I'm not going to be the guy who usually, you know, tries to go grab him a couple games before I think he might finally get the call up and be first in line. I don't have time for that. So if, if this is a year where I miss him, fine, so be it. If it's a dynasty league or a keeper league, maybe the conversation changes a little bit there, especially if you're already, you know, say the Cardinals don't play until sometime next week. You are, say, 0-3 in your league. With basically no real shot at the playoffs. You're in a dynasty league. You're in a, a keeper league. Sure, go grab him because at this point, you're just looking for any type of value. But if you are a competitive team, I don't think you can roster him right now. And outside of Goldschmidt and Flaherty, I don't think there's a person on that team who needs to be rostered in any league if you are competitive. Yep, that's totally fair. The only thing I'll say is, is that if they do get started on Friday, then yeah, I would probably go grab uh, Dylan Carlson. But if this thing pushes through to the next weekend, then I really can't blame anybody who leaves Cardinals alone right now. Other news coming out of Major League Baseball over the last 24 hours with a new little wrinkle that just popped up right before uh, taping here on Monday night. Jack Plesak gets sent home for breaking quarantine protocols. Guy just had to go party with some friends on Saturday, you know, like a pre-COVID world would allow. But alas, we don't live in that anymore. He will have to quarantine for 72 hours, get tested daily for COVID, and it is unclear when he will return. Obviously, we all kind of have that 14-day, two-week timetable like locked in our heads when it comes to COVID testing. So do you expect that regardless, it might be pushing closer to a week and a half, two weeks before we could see him back on the mound? Yeah, that seems realistic. Uh, he's 0-1 on the year, but with a 1.8 ERA, 17 strikeouts across 15 innings, has looked very good. This is a real blow for Cleveland. And apparently the blows come in twos because we just got an alert that Mike Clevenger also went out with him that night and he's going to have to quarantine as well. That's 40% of the best rotation in the American league right now just got wiped off the board for at least, I mean, if I'm just going to take a stab at least a week, if not closer to two. This, this stinks. And it's, it's hard to not be very frustrated and I, I hope both guys are healthy and I, I hope that this doesn't create a situation like it did in Miami or St. Louis, but 
this is a real bummer, not just because they're putting teammates at risk, but, uh, you know, we, we, you can't help but think of the fantasy side. These are two pitchers that were pitching really well. There, were, there was talk that Cleveland was going to move Plesak to the bullpen. I, I don't really believe that because of how well he pitched, but uh, they apparently may not need a, that fifth starter for a little while. But this is still a bummer. Um, you have to hold on to Clevenger, but Plesak is a guy – if you can entertain trade value or if you see something you need on another roster, I, I think he might be droppable at this point. That's tough to say for somebody who has the numbers you just suggested. But at this point, I, I think that just might be the case. And I think this is one of those where it depends on where your team is at right now. If your team right. is really well right now and I can hold on to a guy who's not going to get me any points for the next week and a half – can plan for playoffs for all the rest. Okay, maybe I can hold on to Plesek. But if not, if I'm struggling, yeah, you're right. He's droppable. I, I, I can't hold on to anybody right now that's not going to give me positive points. And because this isn't an injury, I can't shove him into an IL spot. He's just going to take up a spot on my bench with zero points. So, yeah, I think this is a guy, unfortunately, look, if you want to hold around for the rest of the week just to see – this is the first time we've ever seen guys kind of get punished for breaking protocols. So we're still not entirely sure how the timetable works. Right. So if you want to hang around for another couple of days, see what the fallout looks like here, go for it. But if you are struggling in any way, he's dropped. And Clevenger you have to keep just because his spot is secure. The, the numbers in his past back up everything – he looks really good so far on the year. He will continue to be good. But Plesak, no, I, he's, he's on the waiver wire for me. That's totally fair. I'll say this, too. If Cleveland, who knows what they're going to do to uh, replace these innings, but if a guy like Scott Moss or Logan Allen gets a chance mm-hmm. to pitch, I would probably pick them up and give them a chance, depending on – it would depend on the matchup. But they're, they're both guys that uh, – know how to pitch, may, not going to give you the type of strikeouts who the heck is going to give you the type of strikeouts the Cleveland staff has produced for you right now. But they're, they're solid options, um, especially in an AL-only league. If either Logan Allen or Scott Moss gets that chance, I would seriously consider it. Look, I will bet good money on Cleveland starting pitchers. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, if, uh, if either of those guys are available, like you said, I think with both of them it's more matchup dependent. Right. If they are going up against the Pirates, if they're going up against Detroit, those are guys you run and grab a couple sure. of beforehand because they're probably going to give you some pretty nice peripherals. Next up, a little fun here as we have uh, Brawl. As the Astros and A's go to town, once again, the Astros in the middle of all of it. Uh, Ramon Laureano charges at Astros hitting coach Alex Cintron. It, that, was, that was a big boy Major League Baseball fight. That wasn't one of those ones where everybody walks out of the dugout and kind of just has a, a brief pleasantry with each other and then goes back. There was actually uh, some, some scuffling there. And while Major League Baseball, I'm sure, is pissed all hell about it, it was, it was good to see at least some Astro get taken to a ground here. Uh, uh, Loriano should be expecting a heavy suspension, however, though, after that Joe Kelly eight-game incident when he threw at Correa, I believe it was. Right. So you have to assume that Loriano even though by all reports it seems like he was pretty goaded pretty hard by a hitting coach and went at him for something, I guess, unforgivable, if you believe whatever side. But if eight games was for Joe Kelly, 
I got to assume an eight to 10 is right in the wheelhouse for Loriano. Yeah, I would think so. And I will say this too, because it doesn't have any fantasy relevance. Although I can remember having Alex Centron on my fantasy roster, which just tells you how old I am, but it's, if he does not get an equal suspension, then this is very disappointing because a coach goading a player during a pandemic to come and fight him and then hiding behind those coaches is another situation altogether. But yeah, they both deserve long suspensions. And I get Loriano's frustration that he was hit, uh, I think, like three times over the weekend by the Astros yeah, three pitchers. Times. And, three times, three times total, twice in that game. Yeah, but I, it, one of them was a bad breaking ball. And I think Loriano was honestly at one point joking about how to throw a breaking ball. You could see him snapping his wrist to uh, just kind of say his frustration. And then it just obviously escalated. But And I, I understand that a lot of people – love watching this stuff, but it's just such a bad idea. And that's a disappointment because Loriano is having a heck of a season and now going to be out of your lineup probably for a good week. I think what is going to frustrate so many more people out of this, you saw the reaction after Joe Kelly gets an eight-game suspension when, you know, the, the adage was, well, no Astros got suspended for actually cheating. Now Loriano is going to be out for at least a week, probably yep. a bit longer than that. And even if you give the same punishment to Alex Entron, he's a hitting coach. Right. Not going to affect what's on the field the way that taking Loriano off of a nine-win-in-a-row Oakland A's team is going to affect that team. So I think it's just, once again, this is just going to be one more brick on the anti-Astro wall that is going to be built by Major League Baseball fans. Yeah. Because this is just one that, it's not going to taste good going down this one either. Even though there was a, a scuffle, and I think a lot of baseball fans wanted to see something. But once again, the punishment is going to be more for the opponents of the Astros rather than the Astros themselves. So just something to kind of feel out as that fallout continues. Life is not fair. No, it is not. (laughs) Um, And it's not fair for Marcus Stroman either, uh, who by all accounts looked really good entering um, the summer camp. And then he had to shut it down thanks to an injury. And now he has just announced that he is opting out of the season. Just said too much uncertainty around COVID. And I assume his injury being a factor in all of this. So Stroman, I think a guy that I know in a couple leagues that I'm in was a guy who was still drafted, even though he was injured and people were going to let him sit on that IL spot until he could theoretically come back and be that second half kick that you're looking for. And uh, now obviously droppable. Yeah, that's, it's, it's a bummer for anybody who invested a draft pick. This seems to be just a recurring theme. But, you know, just a, another situation where I can't blame anybody for deciding to take to go with their health over uh, playing baseball right now. As, as frustrating as that is as a, a fantasy player and someone who talks about this, it's, it's, it is what it is. And I, I can't blame anybody for doing it. Um, Stroman's interesting. I, I think he'll find a pretty nice market. He's a free agent at the end of the year. Um, so I, I think he's a guy you still want to target in 2021, but more of a mid to late round selection just because I'm always going to wonder about health with pitchers who have diminutive size is how I would put it with Marcus Stroman. Uh, and I'll say this for the Mets too, whoever it is that ends up getting that another spot. Um, no, thank you. Yeah. I'm I'm good avoiding just about <laughs> any pitcher on that team not named Jacob Degrom at this point. Right. I, I feel very confident on that. Let's stick with some injuries here because there were a couple more notable ones, and I want to knock through them. 
starting off with a guy that we raved about in our first episode just three weeks ago or two weeks ago, but Giancarlo Stanton, back to the IL with a hamstring injury. Once again, that is three years out of three in his time in pinstripes where he's injury to his lower extremities. Not great. Um, especially when, by all accounts, he, I mean, he's looked leaner. He looked really good on the ball. His eye has been very good all year. But back to the IL, Clint Frazier, uh, the guy who is perennially discussed as should be a major league starter but is blocked by the Yankees out there. Clint Frazier finally gets called up again this year. Um, I think he and Talkman. Uh, Mike Talkman, both guys who are very interesting. I think there are a lot of at-bats to be had here. I think yeah, with no more Stanton, at least for, for, for the foreseeable future, means Judge gets a couple more opportunities to DH and take a little load off of him, which means that I think there's an outfield spot open. Clint Frazier, Mike Talkman, in opposite order there. Talkman, number one, Frazier, number two, guys to fill in for the injured Giancarlo Stanton. Yeah, and those are both guys that I'm I'm looking to acquire right now because I think the situation's nice. The lineup is obviously great, and I think we've both seen them have success when given the chance. More so, Talkman Lady just lately because for all the reasons you explained, it's I mean Clint F- Fraser seems to have been blocked for longer than any prospect I can honestly remember. But uh, yes, a bummer with Stanton as well. He he was swinging the bat so well. I guess the good news here is it does seem more to me like it was more of a precautionary thing. So maybe we do get him back in just a couple of weeks rather than this being a long-term injury, unless, uh, unless I miss something, but it's, it's frustrating because he was swinging the bat so well, and he's capable of doing things that very few power hitters or if any are capable of doing, but uh, yeah, I would definitely run to acquire either of those guys. uh, If you're looking for help at the outfield. Talkman only 8% owned in Yahoo leagues 11 percent in espn why that's a mistake and you know clint frazier is obviously lower than that so these are some guys who i think are very appealing options are they going to be batting in the bottom third of a yankee lineup yes but i'll take the bottom third of a yankee lineup over the top third of a pirates lineup any sure <laughs> let's talk to a bit of good il news uh max scherzer should be good to go on Tuesday. They He was pulled in his last start as a more precautionary measure, but uh, he says he is good to go. It doesn't look like he's going to miss a spot in the rotation. Um, that's all really good to see, especially considering that he was a, you know, a bottom half of the first, top half of the second round pick in just about every league. Uh, good to see Max in a season filled with nothing but pitching injuries. It is good to see him back on the bump on Tuesday night. Yeah, it'll be great to see him back. He's one of my favorite pitchers to watch. Um, and again, this was another situation where I think it was just precautionary, making sure that this guy is healthy down the stretch, although you can really argue that down the stretch started when the season started because of how few games we're playing. But I'm just a guy that if <laughs> it's silly to even say, but if somebody did, drop him in a league and I, I imagine he's owned in like 99% of leagues but if that is correct you're in, if you're in that one percent go get Max Scherzer uh he'll he'll be one of the best pitchers in baseball as long as he's healthy sticking with the same team Steven Strasburg finally makes his debut his season debut on Sunday four and a third 
two strikeouts, one walk, five earned runs, seven hits against a Baltimore team. He was cruising for a while for the first four innings, but I believe starting the fifth inning, the wheels just really came off. What's more concerning, though, is that he said after the game that he still feels he still feels whatever nerve damage that he has in his thumb, which could imply that why the wheels kind of fell off later in his debut. Again, so this is, seems like something that he's going to have to deal with for the rest of this season, which is something that you as a fantasy owner are also going to have to deal with for the rest of the season. Yeah, and I, I do wonder just because of – how this season is going to work if they, they maybe want to operate Strasburg on maybe a limited pitch count. Cause you're right. He was, he was really throwing well. And then it just kind of fell apart. And I'm wondering if there's some, some ramp up that's necessary. And unfortunately as good as simulated games and, and those type of things can work, they're not the same thing. And so I'm, I'm definitely wondering if maybe we see some three, four inning starts out of Strasburg and, while he can still help you miss bats and should have a lower ERA, boy, that's that's a frustrating thing for a guy who was probably drafted in the top 30 picks in, in most drafts. So uh, I ultimately think he'll be okay down the stretch uh, if from a real-life value, but I do think his fantasy value is taking a hit. Yeah, I think he's got another matchup against the Baltimore Orioles on Friday. I'm, I'm gonna really going to be looking at that game to see how Washington handles him. Sure. He kind of comes back after finally getting after finally pitching, but kind of acknowledging the fact that this is going to be something he's going to deal with. Um, again, the Orioles, a lineup that you want to have your pitcher go against. So I'm very curious to watch that start on Friday to see how he looks. Moving on to other pitching injuries, because again, it's 2020. That's all this is. Charlie Morton put on the IL with right shoulder inflammation. Um, the newest Ray from this offseason does not believe that it is overly serious, expects to only miss maybe a start or two um, in the rotation. But either way, you know, you're going to be without Charlie Morton, another guy who you probably drafted inside the top 15 starting pitchers. Um, he's going to be gone for at least two starts, if not three. Yeah, and I'll say this it, it's great to hear that he uh, is confident that he'll be able to return, but shoulder inflammation, that, that's, yeah. that's a tough one. It, shoulder injuries are one of those things where they usually take a little bit longer. Um, ultimately, Morton, I, I, you know, I'm not, we're no doctors, but I, I, I do think that it could be more like three or four starts and maybe you're not seeing him back until that middle of September. And that's frustrating because, Boy, he is such an underrated pitcher and playing behind a Tampa Bay lineup I still like, even though it's been kind of hit and miss this year. Uh, seems like everybody's been hit and miss this year, but definitely a guy that uh, you got to stash on the IL for when he's ready to come back. But uh, shoulders, man, they <laughs> shoulders, man. I don't know what else to say. Shoulders and forearms. Anytime yeah. I those two words, I just I instinctively cringe sure, sure. to a pitcher because. Nothing good comes from that. But like you said, he's confident that this isn't going to be a terribly long uh, IL stint. So if he's confident, then I guess we're confident until we're proven wrong. So Charlie Morton, though, you can't drop. He's just too valuable on too good of a team. Speaking of another guy who I I think is too good and undroppable, um, Madison Bumgarner just got put on the IL with a strain. He also says he's only going to be out a few starts. 
the newest Diamondback from in the offseason has not gotten off to a great start with his new team. Um, we can now kind of maybe point to uh, his back as a reason for that. All tests came back negative, so you like to see that. But either way, again, Madison Bumgarner on the shelf for a while. Yeah, he's looked awful. And I, yeah. I don't like saying that because I, I like watching Madison Bumgarner pitch and one of the most clutch postseason players I've ever seen. And, uh, man, when that slider was going as good as any southpaw, not named Clayton Kershaw in the earlier part of the decade. But yeah, I don't think he's droppable, especially if, uh, given where you picked him. Like if you, you probably had to draft him, uh, I don't know, in the first five or six rounds, something like that. I don't. I can't drop a pitcher that uh, is on the IL that I invested uh, that high of pick in this early, but I'm not rushing out to get him because he he's looked really poor. And I do think there are just some pitchers that are not going to live up to standards in 2020 just because of this short ramp up. And I think it's possible. Can't literally prove it, but although we've seen what he's done so far, but I think Bumgarner might be one of those guys. Yeah, he does not make me feel confident when I've watched him pitch. Like, oh, from the get, you can see that this isn't the same Madison Bumgarner. If you right. put the name off the back of the jersey, you wouldn't think it's the same person. Right. But because of his pedigree, because of his track record, because we know how much Arizona invested in him financially and, right. and all the rest, he's someone I think you hold on to right now. You're, kind of, you're married to him for better or worse at this point, you can't drop him. He's got no trade value and you can't do anything with him until he comes back. And then hopefully he comes back and pitches the way that you remember him. So until then, yeah, he's stuck on your IL and you're going to kind of have to live with it. Yeah. It's been really ugly. Yeah. Uh, not fantasy related, but good news anyways. And we like some good news on this podcast on occasion, Terry Francona, Indians manager back to the bench Tuesday after dealing with a gastrointestinal condition to see him back on the bench. It's not going to help a fantasy team anywhere, but it's just, uh, it's good to see uh, Terry Francona back where he belongs. Any good news is good fantasy news. In my personal opinion, if your dog had a birthday, it's good fantasy news to me. So (laughs) yeah, it's great. Great to see one of the best managers in baseball, regardless if he was one of the worst managers in baseball, but very good to see him back on it. By the way, guys, if you want to keep getting some good news, the all-new Roto World premium subscription packages are great. They have the tools and resources you need to dominate your fantasy leagues from drafts through playoffs. And best of all, guys, the subscriptions are not just one sport. They include football, baseball, basketball, and hockey. You got a football draft coming up right now, and you're doing fantasy baseball? This is bang for your buck. Two for one. Take it. Uh, as a listener of the Roto World Fantasy Baseball Podcast, you can get $10 off any annual subscription to Roto World Premium. So to find your edge, visit rotoworld.com slash edge using the promo code BBPOD10 at checkout. That promo code again is BBPOD10. So check that out, guys. It's got so much good information. I'm on that site five times a day looking up whatever I need to see. Uh, it's got tons of great info. I highly, highly recommend rotoworld.com slash edge, promo code BBPOD10. So let's move on to some offense here. We've spoken basically nothing pitching. Let's get to some <laughs> offense here. Let's talk with 
everyone's favorite, and I say that sarcastically, fantasy prospect, uber prospect that he is, Byron Buxton. Byron Buxton is heating up, guys. And we'll ask the question that we've asked every year for the last six, could this finally be the year we see consistent fantasy production from him? He has homered in three straight games on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, six RBIs over those three games. He's got a 318 average on the season. You love all of those numbers. You don't love the fact that he has zero stolen bases, though, and only one attempt. That's not what you want from Byron Buxton here. But home, three home runs, a 318 average, this is, these are all positive numbers. Is this the year that Buxton finally lives up to that billing? Gosh, I hope so. And it's funny. I, I was tweeting about this over the weekend that I will absolutely never give up on Byron Buxton. He is one of the most talented prospects that I've ever seen. And it just hasn't worked out, be it because of injuries or be it because of adjustments that he hasn't made that would have been impossible to foresee at this point. It just hasn't. But he, he looks really good. And, you know, he's still a young player. He's playing in a great Minnesota lineup. Even if he's sitting at the bottom of it, he's going to get a chance to drive in runs. You always have to be cognizant of the health. And especially this year, I, I wonder if Minnesota is going to tell him to kind of ease up on the steal attempts, which, which hurts his fantasy value because he's more than capable of stealing plenty of bases. But in this lineup, they may just say, we're going to be stationary with you a little more this year and maybe a little less first to third type of stuff. But Certainly not a question of talent, plays in a great lineup, plays in a solid ballpark. I, I would be looking to add Byron Buxton if I can, but I'm going, it's going to be 2032, and I'm going to say the exact same thing. I have been touting Byron Buxton to anybody who would listen for <laughs> years, it feels like. And every year I get snakebitten when he has like a two-game stretch. I start ranting, here it finally comes, and then all of a sudden he's droppable seven days later, and it's uh, and he just does not live up to what you've wanted. We've seen such great stretches from him. I believe the second half of 2018 comes to mind. Sure, yeah. When he tore up Major League Baseball from, I believe, like end of August to the end of the year, just crushed. And we finally all looked at that and said, here it is, finally. And then last year, you went out and you spent a higher draft pick on him than you wanted, and he gave you none of that. Yeah. Know that when we sit here and say, Go grab Byron Buxton. We're doing so knowing full well that we might eat our words in a week. But I know that in my, in my main league, I went out today and I grabbed Buxton knowing that, look, at some point, I believe in the talent. At some point, it's going to happen, and I just want to be the first one in line when it does. Totally. And I'll say this, too, just to, to, to finish it up, that he doesn't have to do it for another 115 games. He only has to do it for another 45. And yeah. Um, you know, th that's still a risk be based on all of his injury history and because of how he plays the game. But uh, it's never been a question of talent, and it's certainly possible and worth the risk to add somebody like this. Let's stick in the outfield. Guys, Ronald Acuna just woke up this weekend. He, he was sleeping out there. He has awoken. Three homers over two games on Sunday. Batted almost 400 over the past week at 391. I mean, we've all known how good he is. You can make the argument that he's the number one overall fantasy player if you really want in, in category leagues. Um, but he had been underperforming up until this past week, and it now looks like the Ronald Acuna that you spent that high draft pick on is finally showing up. Yeah, it was just a matter of time. And I, yeah. I know 
I know it was frustrating from the guy that you had to at least take in the top three, probably took top one. But you're going to see the, to say the, uh, the regression monster is coming in a good way. We'll just say that for Ronald Acuna. Um, he's as good of a player in baseball as there is outside of, to me, Mike Trout. It's uh, and, and another guy who I think we're going to talk about in just one second. But it's, uh, he's a special player, and there's no reason to think he won't be a special player for the, until the end of the season. Look, you alluded to it, and I'm going to bring it up now. Fernando Tatis, I know that's what you're talking about, and that, that needs to be discussed. Whew. I mean, a week, boys and girls. Six homers in six games, nine RBIs over that span. He batted 435 last week. 435. <laughs> Lunacy. He's still, and he's batting 333 on the year. Look, Tatis was in Yahoo, was the, I think his ADP was 14. In ESPN, it was 34. He could very easily make the argument that Fernando Tatis is a top 10 player in fantasy baseball. I would argue higher. And I, I, it's, it's crazy to say for a player who is 21 years old and uh, has only had a, a limited sample of production, but this is a special player. I mean, he makes hard contact everywhere. And he can do a little bit of everything. He is, I mean, he's special to watch. And I, it came to my mind when I, when we were putting this uh, production together, <laughs> that I think that you can argue that next year, I would say Ronald Acuna starts the year as the number one, but I might have Fernando Tatis as my number two. And that's saying something because I, I still love Mike Trout and I still love Christian Yellick, who uh, another guy who I think, is about to get hot. But with that shortstop position eligibility and what he's capable of, if I have the second pick and Acuna goes first, I'm probably taking Fernando Tatis next year. Look, if he continues to hit anything close to like he's hitting now, that, that will be a – that will seem foolish for you yeah. about drafting him past number two. This was – I mean, it was, it was awesome to tune in to wherever you get highlights and just see, oh, look, Fernando Tatis just did something crazy again. And he's just so fun to watch. Like uh, there are (laughs) baseball is always fun for me to watch, even though major league baseball seems to try to tell me that it's not fun to watch with every change that they make, but he's such a fun player to watch. He plays with such passion and man, the ball just jumps off that kid's bat. And I'm going to, I'm going to say kid because anybody under the age of 30 to me is a kid at this point, but man, what, what a special player and anybody who drafted him, I have him, fortunately in a couple of leagues and I am uh, enjoying reaping the benefits. Yeah. Uh, look, he's 21 years old. You can, anybody can call him a kid right now. And <laughs> speaking of kids, by the way, one, a guy that you have talked up a lot on this podcast, I wanted to bring him up because Spencer Howard, the prospect for the Phillies made his debut on Sunday. I know he's been on your prospects column for a while. You and I've talked about him a lot here made his debut, wasn't a tremendous debut, four earned over four and two-thirds, four strikeouts, one walk. You like seeing the strikeouts, though. He, he showed off some of that swing and miss potential. Um, he's up here, and he's up here to stay now. Tell me about his debut. I thought it went okay, and, and I'll say this, too. Like, that is one of the toughest lineups, I think, to face right now in baseball. That That one through four is just so good, even with – Ozzy Albies on the shelf. This is a, a really, really good Atlanta lineup that does not have 
a lot of automatic outs, if any. Um, but I think it went okay. I think that um, he's going to have to do a better job locating. Uh, it, I, do, I do wonder, anytime a prospect makes his debut, if there were some jitters there, maybe overthrowing a little bit. Um, but I think he's going to be okay. So my concern with him for the long term is they're talking about having him piggyback with Vincent Velasquez. If he's the guy who's pitching second in that, I'm really intrigued. If he's pitching first, there's still some value, but the chance of not getting a win would be something that would really concern me. Long-term, very solid pitching prospect, mid-rotation arm. But for this year, I really want to see what role he's going to continue in because if he's only throwing two or three innings to start, that, that fantasy value drops quite precipitously. Yeah, that's going to be a real bummer if that's the case. But right. it seems like everything that Girardi has said, the manager of the Phillies, it seems like everything that he has said – he wants to kind of ease Spencer Howard into the rotation. He looks like he's going to get a lot of double header work. So it seems like even when they give him the ball, they know that the innings are already condensed. So they can kind of, I think, give him a quick hook if he needs to get out of that game quicker without burning the entire bullpen. But we, he's going to start another double header game on Friday against the Mets. To my mind, like you said, if, he ends up being the second guy and not the starter that makes his value even better because you have a much better chance of eking out a win. I'm not sure if Spencer Howard is going to be given a consistent five innings at any point for him to rack up W's, but he's still a guy I think you happily put him on your roster right now. Let's see what happens on Friday against the Mets. Let's see how this goes. Um, I, again, this is a prospect I'd rather have and then need to drop rather than one I, I passed on because I wasn't sure what his value was going to be, and then he ends up being really good. Yeah, that's totally fair. And like with all of the injuries that we talked about in the first 15 minutes of the show, it's not like there's a whole heck of a lot better out there. So be patient, but I, I do think that's something to be cognizant of going forward for sure. Speaking of prospects, Spencer Howard, off of your prospects column, I will, as always, encourage everyone out there, go to rotoworld.com and look at Chris's top 10 prospects for the 2020 season. I check it on a weekly basis. Give me a prospect out there on your top 10 that you want to talk about a little bit more right now. Sure. So it's a, it's a big one. I added Mackenzie Gore this week to my top 10. And while he is by no means a sleeper because he's the best pitching prospect in baseball, uh, I think this is kind of the situation where we're at the point where we're serious about a call-up being possible. Uh, the Padres are clearly pay- playoff contenders. Everybody is a playoff contender this year, it seems like. Uh, but he, he's really a, a pitcher that as soon as he gets that call and everybody I've talked to suggests that it's more a matter of when than an if, that he's going to be able to help because he has four pitches that can miss bats. He throws them all for strikes. Again, you do have to be wary of the fact that prospects when they when they first come up there there is that chance for overthrowing but it's tough for me to imagine that's going to be the case with Gore he's has so much polish um really 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 potential long-term special fantasy prospect but obviously a guy playing behind that San Diego lineup that has a chance to be successful in 2020 a guy I would look to be stashing right now all right uh, let's talk about a couple other uh rookie pitchers out there because we had a a duel of them on Sunday as Jesus Zizardo for the A's gets the better of Christian Javier for the Astros. 
Lizardo, two earned over five and two-thirds with five strikeouts. Christian Javier, who's been excellent so far this year, five earned over three innings. All of those runs coming off of homers. Does this change your opinion at all about Christian Javier? Um, not really. I, I will say I, I, Christian Javier really impressed me in his first few starts, and I'm not letting one bad start against a lineup that just has incredible power. I mean, Matt Chapman absolutely obliterated that baseball uh, off of him. And, you know, Matt Olson has insane upper tank power as well. Uh, but I do kind of worry that Christian Javier is a pitcher that is more about making weak hitters hit weak contact and getting a bunch of strikeouts with his stuff. Uh, really impressive numbers in the minors and very impressed with what he did in those first two outings. But I do think there's some clunkers capable. So he's more of a streaming guy to me. Uh, if he is facing a lineup like Oakland's or the Dodgers or someone like that, probably out of my lineup when he's in against the Mariners or someone of, of that ilk, then, then he's probably going to be a starter for me. I still think maybe more long-term potential there, but, but definitely a guy that I wouldn't panic over that start, but maybe that's a, a little bit of a reality check for what Javier is right now. But um, yeah, still, still has a chance to be helpful, but definitely look to see who he's facing. Yeah, and speaking of, he does face the Mariners this week. So I think a bounce-back opportunity for him. But when we talk about Christian Javier, I think he is a great sell-high guy right now. Wait until Mm. potentially after that start against the Mariners for him to hopefully have a a better start. But if you can find an owner out there, especially a lot of these guys who are losing top-caliber pitching, if you tell them, if you can package, hey, I've got – a rookie who's pitching at, who's pitching very well, only has one bad start. You need him more than I need him. You might be able to work something out there. Like you said, Javier, a, a weak contact guy, not a high-velocity, high-strikeout guy. Those guys aren't as valuable in fantasy. So I think in the world that we live in, where everyone loves the shiny new toy, which is fantasy baseball, Mm-hmm. You can find someone out there, especially in keeper or dynasty leagues, that you might be able to proposition Christian Javier for a you know maybe a top 120 guy that you might be able to steal from them because someone is always willing to overpay for rookie pitching. So keep an eye out there if you do own him. He's owning 61% of Yahoo leagues. Um, I think he's a guy out there that if he has a good start against the Mariners on Thursday, I believe, if he has a good start there, I think he is a great sell-high candidate for the rest of the season. Don't disagree with any of that. All right, so let's move over to, I think, uh, maybe we talked about Tatis and Acuna as the offensive players of the week. Frankie Montas probably gets the pitching player of the week here. He had an excellent two-start week, 2-0, and 14 innings pitched, 14 strikeouts to four walks. His ERA last week, 0.64. Got a 1.57 on the year. This is a guy that I think no one talks enough about because Lazardo gets, I think, a lot of the, the talking points because he's the shiny, you know, potential ace of that staff. Oakland, just in general, doesn't get enough credit for anything that they do. Frankie Montas has looked excellent so far this year. I love the lineup that he's pitching behind. I love the stuff. And to an overall larger point, I think Montas is an example of 
why it's very hard for me to give up on upper echelon arms because it took a while. Montas was a top prospect who struggled a little bit with his chance with the White Sox, didn't quite live up to expectations when he was moved to the Dodgers and then ultimately moved to Oakland in the Josh Reddick, Rich Hill pitch trade, speaking of pitchers who are injured. Um, it's just frust- uh, uh, He's got the stuff. It's frustrating to watch prospects struggle, but it's why you can't give up on arms just because they have uh, in dynasty formats, obviously that have a couple of rough goes of it because it was never a question about stuff. He's clearly figured out and his stuff has actually gotten weaker over, over time. That's just the way that it works, but he's really improved the command of that stuff and still has swing and miss arsenal. So I really like him for the remainder of the year. Um, I would put him as a top 15 pitcher at this point pretty easily, especially knowing that the Oakland A's are really a very good baseball team, and he's going to get plenty of chances to help you with W's. Was the number 42 pitcher on average in Yahoo? Steal. The number 40 in ESPN. Those are wild steals, and if you end up grabbing him, you are very good moving forward. I completely agree with you. I think he, especially with the arms going down as fast as they are, Frankie is a top 15 pitcher from now to the end of the season. And in front of a good defensive playing team and a team that has an excellent lineup. And nine straight wins, guys. Frankie Montas is going to be a big part of that moving forward. For sure. That's our show for today, guys. Uh, As always, thank you for the listen. Uh, If you like what you're hearing, please be sure to subscribe to the Roto World Fantasy Baseball Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to rate and review us. Looking for those five-star review people. I know Chris is a big fan of five stars. Just give him the five stars. You yeah. can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Don't Lie, all one word. And you can follow Chris at Crawford underscore M-I-L-B. Our midweek episode with DJ and Drew will be out this Thursday, so be sure to tune in then. And remember, in this season of drastic and sudden breaking news, keep checking back to rotoworld.com. You'll get all the best up-to-the-minute fantasy info with every injury and with every COVID cancellation out there. Stay safe out there, everyone, and we will see you next time. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.